Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Priority Status by J Public Relations. We're so happy to have you listening in today. This is Amy Ogden. I'm the Senior Vice President of Brand at JPR. And today I have with me Shannon McClay. Shannon, first and foremost, is one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> Personal disclosure, I know Shannon personally. I've known her for a couple of years now, um, but... Really excited to bring you Shannon today. Shannon is the founder of Financial Gym, and I discovered Shannon first as a client. Um, Financial Gym is um, a national company, but um, their headquarters is here in New York, and I partnered with the gym a couple of years ago just to get my personal finances in a really amazing place, lose a little fat, gain a little muscle, so to speak. Um, And working with Shannon over the years, though, what I've learned is, yes, she and her team are amazing at helping individuals sort out their personal finances, but even more, she comes from a corporate and a business space where she also just understands the role of finances in the world and in culture and in workplaces. And so um, first I'll let Shannon just introduce herself a little bit more. Tell us a little bit about Financial Gym, the mission of the gym, kind of how it got started, where we are today. And then we're going to talk about how this relates to hotels because that's what this is all about. So hi, Shannon. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to be here talking about my favorite topic, which is the most ultimate taboo topic in America, and that's money. Um, But we're going to make it less like that, especially for business owners. But yeah, I had the idea for the financial gym five years ago. I was working as a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch, and this was after having a 13-year career in, in personal finances or in, in, in financial services. And I felt like I needed an advisor. Um, I didn't see an advisor who looked or felt like me. And I thought, well, if you can't beat them, join them. So I became that advisor. And um, to work with an advisor at Merrill Lynch, you had to have 250000 in assets. And um, that was the crowd I was running in. So I was building that practice, but at the same time meeting what I call pro bono clients, people who didn't have 250000 in assets. But they wanted help with their money. And because I didn't look and feel like the traditional advisor, they would say, can I pay you to help me with my money? And I didn't have a way to take their money, but I wanted to help them because I didn't have a place to send them either. And, um, and I said, I became the worst financial advisor ever. I loved my pro bono clients, people with no money. Um, and I'm saying no money with air quotes, like but people who are building their wealth rather than people managing it. And, um, I, it all came to an aha Oprah moment week in my life. Um, where it started out with a couple that over had over a million dollars invested with me. We were doing a quarterly review and their portfolio was down 3% and they were just complaining about where their money went. And I spent an hour of my life making them feel better about being a little less rich. And, um, and it just felt like I was losing my soul in that meeting. And then two days later I had a meeting with a pro bono client and, um, I told her what to do very similar to what we do at our, at the gym how much money she needed to save, how she should tackle her student loan debt, her credit card debt, um, and just manage her life better. And at the end of the meeting, she paused. She looked me in the eye and she said, you know you're saving my life, right? And it was that lightning went like went off and I thought, I need to build a business around this person and people like her because most of the population in the U.S. does not have 250000 in assets um, outside of 401k, absolutely not. And um, and I realized that people need more help other than just managing their money. Um, 
the, the investing part of money is easy. It's the having the money to invest and all the things around it that are hard. And at the same time I was on this weight loss journey and, um, and I lost over 50 pounds with Weight Watchers and working out. And I thought when I wanted to get physically healthy, there's so many options. There's so many options for all of us to get physically healthy. But if people wanted to get financially healthy, where would they go? And my dilemma with all these pro bono clients is I didn't have a place to send them um, that I knew was going to treat them like human beings, even though their bank accounts weren't that sexy. Um, and so I thought you go to financial gym um, to get financially healthy. And that was five years ago. And I tell people, I think it thought it was the brilliant, most brilliant idea ever. I still think it's the most brilliant idea ever. Um, it's very difficult to raise money when you have a concept that is a brick and mortar concept. And, um, but my thesis has always been that money is very personal. It's very taboo and people want a place to go. Um, they want to talk to a human being. They don't want to use a website or an app. They have a lot of fear and shame around their money. And, um, and I wanted to give them a compassionate, empathetic human being on the other side of that, who wasn't just trying to sell them product to, uh, make money. So that's my financial trainers. And last year we raised $1.8 million and built our headquarters gym here in New York, uh, where we'll be opening our Brooklyn gym in early 2019, and then plan to have gyms across the country by mid-2019. Really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a great concept, and it really does kind of just like helps everyone take a big breath around the fear and shame that can come with your financial, your personal financial situation. And um, again, this is not an ad for the financial gym, by the way, but I just want our <laughs> listeners to really understand the model. It's a, it's a monthly membership fee model versus some sort of a commission based model. And so that's why I ended up choosing financial gym was because before that I would work with financial planners, but honestly, it was all very confusing to me. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I'm not saying financial planners aren't also doing amazing work for people just for me it was confusing and I didn't really understand what was being done. And it was a, a, a big trust fall. Um, and with your team, knowing that I just paid a monthly membership fee, I knew all of the advice was purely targeted towards what was in my best interest and not in any way what would serve your team as far as any kind of like benefits or anything. Yeah. We always say we it's really fun. don't care what you do with your money. We, we yeah. joke that we say we're like the backseat driver on your road trip and you know, we're just going to give you the directions. Yeah. Like we might think it's better to go right. If you go left, we're still in the car. Like we really don't care. Um, you know, might say I told you so down the road at some point, but we don't care. And, um, and it's funny cause I left Merrill Lynch where I had to sell products and, um, and it did feel wrong and icky and all those things. And now we don't sell products and clients are like, well, tell me what product to do. Like, just tell me which credit card to get or tell me which bank to open up in. Um, and we almost have the reverse problem where they're almost like angry. We're not telling them specifically what to do um, because we don't care. I mean, the products at the end of the day are just the tools. It's like they're they're the easy things. It's all the emotion, the uh, the decisioning the thought process around those decisions, that's really the hard part about money. Definitely. And so then what we've been talking about over the last several months is, um, and Shannon was a guest with me on a panel earlier this year at the BLLA conference, which is a um, boutique hotel conference here in New York. And our topic was so interesting. And I know it was interesting because we then spent the rest of the day fending off people from the crowd <laughs> saying, oh my gosh, that was the best talk we heard all day. Or, and the whole, all the talks were great. It was yeah. just so unique. It, yeah. it stood out from the others. And 
The topic was um, creating a culture of financial wellness within your organization. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what you all have heard for the last several minutes has been sort of the background, because I wanted you to know who Shannon is, what Financial Gym is, so you understand where she comes from as the founder and CEO. But then relating this topic to organizations, and now mm-hmm. certainly so many of our listeners are hotel owners and leaders in the hospitality and travel spaces, but this applies to anyone who runs a business. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think of culture at any company, we're going to talk about hotels today because this is a travel and hotel Mm -hmm. podcast, but um, no matter who you are as a listener, think of your own business as we go through this. But when we, when we talk about businesses and, and hotels, we, when we think culture, people immediately think, you know, rooftop yoga and guacamole happy hours and, and yeah. those are great and they that is great. part of I culture love I love guacamole <laughs> let's shout out to avocados yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10 on avocados um no we love guacamole but but when you think of culture it goes so far beyond those types of activations and mm-hmm. Shannon really like opened my eyes when we were talking about this panel for BLLA and we said what if we did a topic of creating a culture of financial wellness And it was like, oh my gosh, it was kind of a a bit of a frying pan to the head moment of like, you're right. You know, what about that level of wellness in an organization? So I'd love Shannon for you to talk a little bit about kind of macro your thoughts Mm -hmm. on leadership at a company and how they can start to create a culture of financial wellness and what that even means. Yeah. So I started this business to help individuals, um, the consumer, consumer business. And what happened is um, we've kind of accidentally stumbled on our corporate enterprise model because our clients were going to their HR teams and saying, hey, this should really be a benefit for us. Like you're offering to pay for this gym membership, you're offering yoga classes, you're offering this for financial wellness or for regular wellness. We really need this in our lives. And so we've been connected. We, ha- you know, we have relationships with dozens of companies now um, where they're asking us to come in and speak to their employees about financial wellness and also work with their employees to get financially fit. And what's interesting, there's so many lessons learned, but I think one of the biggest things that I see and probably one of the biggest problems I see with companies is there's almost like a fear of talking about money directly with your employees or bringing up the the money situation because I think truthfully as a business owner, I think there's this fear of like, what if they ask for more money and we don't want to pay them more? Because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm a business owner. We've got, we've got to manage our P&L. We've got margins we have to hit. Like we have numbers we need to hit, but we're the people providing the the financial background for our employees. So we're the ones literally starting the financial chain of conversation that it's just, it's crazy that we're not having this full conversation with our employees. We're, we're paying them, but we almost then don't want to talk about it because um, we as companies have fear of what's going to happen. And what I've shared, and I shared at the conference and I share with people, what's really interesting at the financial gym is the majority of our conversations with our clients, the majority of our clients are joining not because they want to know how do I make six figures, how do I um, become a millionaire, how do I you know do all these crazy things. They want to know, how do I live off of whatever I live off of so that I can have a job I love, so that I can do the things I love and have a job I love. And that doesn't necessarily involve a high paycheck. And, you know, we so we have clients who want to manage their lifestyle so that they can um, have a job they love. And 
So I think that's really eye-opening. I think that's something that companies should realize is that, and, and there's so many studies about it. I mean, employees really don't want, I mean, they want to get paid, but they want more than a paycheck. And, um, and I think they just, and I know from firsthand being a boss, they just want to know you're caring about them holistically. And I think that's part of why the conversation and having conversations around financial wellness and wellness and all areas of your employee's life is so important because our employees are spending the majority of their lives with us and around our businesses. And, um, and so we have the bulk of their time, their energy, we're paying them. We have all these tie-ins to them. And I feel like we owe them in return, everything we can give them, you know, but also just this open, honest, um, healthy space, um, where they love coming to work every day. Cause they feel like, my employer gets it. My employer gets that I'm I'm stressed about money. Um, I'm not sure I'm paying off my student loan debt. Um, you know, I'm not sure about how I'm gonna. You know, I'm pregnant with the second kid. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for childcare. Um, and it, and the thing is, and again, where I feel like employers are like concerned about having the conversations because they don't have the answers. They don't have the money. The employees aren't really looking for the money. They just want to be able to have the conversation and uh, and know that you know that they they've got some kind of struggle. And I think acknowledging it um, and giving them access and tools and conversation, just conversation around money is is game changing. Yeah, you know something you said. So it really starts with just acknowledging money and not being afraid to talk about it mm -hmm. first, because we talk about so many other things, right? Yeah. Um, but we won't talk about money, and we are the people that pay them. So, I know. It's <laughs> which crazy. that's what always kind of cracks me up is is you know uh, if someone in a leadership position, you're the person who decides how much they make. Make sure they get paid, but you won't talk to them about money. Yeah. So, so I do think that's so smart first is just not not looking at it as a taboo private topic that you don't talk about. And I, I remember, Shannon, you gave me a couple of statistics when we did our panel that were really shocking, like the percentage of people who are paycheck to paycheck, the amount of 70%. time. 70%. 70%. Americans live paycheck 70. to paycheck. I mean, that's, that's a lot. And 46% that, yeah. of Americans can't handle a $400 emergency with cash. There you, I mean, wow. Yeah, like sit on that for a second. Yeah. And so understanding that and, and that. We, and, and the other thing to point out, too, it, it doesn't matter how much you get paid, actually, because, you know, 70% yeah. of Americans, that's all salary ranges. And I think that's a really important point to make. We've had clients come in who make $500,000 a year salary and literally have nothing in the bank um, and $20,000 of credit card debt. Um, I just had a meeting with a couple last night, two attorneys that combined they make. 400,000. But when we started, they had $250,000 of credit card and student loan debt. We celebrated last night because two years later, they're completely debt free student loan wow. and credit cards. Um, and they never thought that was going to happen. But there's that, you know, people who make a lot. And then there's people who make $40,000 who have nothing in the bank um, and nothing saved. It doesn't matter how much you make. I always say the problems are all the same. The zeros are just different. Yeah, that that's a good way to think of it. And that's exactly it. It's not at any particular level or or type of career. It's just Yeah, you can't think, "Oh, my sales director is great cuz I'm paying him or her 150,000." Um so they're fine. They are probably equally as stressed out as your housekeeper um who you're paying, you know, whatever you're paying an hourly wage. Um they have the same level of stress. We see it at the gym. You absolutely see it. So so someone's listening and they're a leader at a, a hotel brand or a hospitality brand, 
What's the first thing they can do to open this dialogue? Because it sounds like it starts with just kind of acknowledging the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we suggest... We suggest polling, you know, your employees and asking them, you know, if you want to get like honest feedback, you know, just like a quick survey of how they feel around their financial situation, kind of knowing it's confidential, especially because you've never had the conversation before, then, um, you know, you want to kind of, but I feel go like put the feelers out there, but like to start, have the conversation. We had a number of people come up to us at that conference asking what specifically can we do? And I mean, we do and host lunch and learns and events, you know, my gym team comes on site and we do things, but you know, you don't have to pay us to do it. I say, just start with your own lunch and learn and, um, where you're going to like talk about money and, um, and create this like open, safe space where people can share their money stories and, um, and what's going on and like, what are their biggest challenges around money and, um, you know, give them pizza or whatever and just like figure out, like ask them what's going on and what happens. And we've seen this, um, over and over again when we have these lunch and learns we're, we're in a group and we had one here um and once people start talking and it's like oh wait like I'm not the only one in the room who's struggling with this like then everybody starts opening up and it's like this cathartic experience it's almost like group therapy where everybody realizes oh we're all having challenges and um and it creates this like healthy space and and I've had leaders ask me like how do I start the conversation I had a woman last night I was at an event or two nights ago I was at an event and she's like she's a boss and she's like I want my employees to be honest with me and open with me and come to me but they don't and how do I get them to open up and I I said you know it, it, it's transparency in both ways I think the more transparent you can be as a leader and from a leadership perspective then the more you're going to get from your team I mean for me I tell people all the time I make a hundred thousand dollars my team knows I make a hundred thousand dollars um and uh, they know I've shared on my podcast, like I raised doing a business, like my finance, personal finances were a mess. Um, I had credit card debt from starting the business and I've shared all of that. And I've shared my struggles of like making a lot and spending a lot back when I was working in investment banking. And I've just been open and honest. And I know I'm in a different kind of business because our whole business relies on being open and honest about money. But like my team is equally, you know, we, we talk about it a lot and you just have to create the space where it's like safe to talk about money. I like that. So you create the space, you create opportunities, like you said, a lunch and learn, or maybe the, how does HR roll into this? Cause that's where my head keeps going. It's like, well, the HR would lead this or HR mm -hmm. would, mm -hmm. you know, um, would be a part of this. How do you see HR departments being a part of this cultural shift at a company? Yeah, I think it's every, I think every company's different. So it depends on, your individual dynamic. It's funny because we go to some companies and you could tell that they have like little respect for, and we know their HR team's working hard like to provide programming and education and like no one will show up to lunch and learn. And then we've been to some where it'll be packed. It'll be a packed house. And I've said, why is everybody here? Because not everybody always shows up to these things. And they said, well, they create, they regularly bring in great speakers and so there's this like trust factor that the, that it's always going to be something worthwhile to attend the event. And so I guess it just depends on each individual company. So maybe it's like group, like team based, you know, the, the sales team or the, um, you know, whatever, but however they're broken up. Um, maybe you start out like that, um, you know, and, and, and wherever you can create the most comfortable environment. If somebody on HR, usually, un unfortunately, when HR is present, then like people have their guards up. 
Um, I mean, that's just like a natural thing. But, it, you know, I think whatever makes sense for your company. And that's why I said sometimes it's best to like start out with like a quick quiz. You know, what do people want? Do they want to talk about money? What kind of education do they want around it? Um, what kind of topics do they want to hear about it? Um, yeah. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of companies, most of the time they're only talking about maybe a 401k plan because the 401k provider wants to come and tell people to just keep maxing out the 401k. And that's a part of people's lives. But, you know, I've had a lot of HR people say, I don't know why we don't have more employees participating in the 401k plan. And I'm saying they don't have the money to do it. Like they can't figure out how to make their expenses work. So, and, and they're, they, they're like from the top down, you're like, I don't know why, you know, all their employees, I'm like, cause most of them don't have extra money and they're trying to figure it out. So if we can address that, and talk about why they don't have extra money and what it is in their lives that's doing that, then, you know, then you're changing the conversation. Then that pushes it. And I know we also talked about um, student loan debt is a major problem mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah, all 65% levels. of the population has it. And, um, yeah, and, and the people who have it, they're highly stressed. Um, and, uh, yeah, and acknowledging that, I think it's um, – you know, again, that's another area where, where they need education. And, um, again, 65% of the population has it. So if you're thinking about your employee, your employees, they majority likely have it or they're married or dating somebody who has it. So it's, it's a part of their a financial stories somehow. And I yeah. feel like you mentioned there's a company you can almost, it's like a benefit to employees that helps yeah. pay that off. What was that? The company called gratify, um, gratify. I can't remember if it's a grad with a D. I think it's grad with a D, gratify. Um, and they allow employers to pay down student loan debt and as an option. And um, I love things like that. So I think for the other thing employers need to think about is how do you help your employees with money outside of the 401k plan? And And we have some smaller companies actually who are like, we can't afford a 401k plan or we don't want to have one set up. And I'm like, great, your employees actually don't need that anyway. So I would suggest thinking about things like this, like gratify, like thinking about um, how you give them, you know, access to other services around their money other than just a 401k plan. I think that's super helpful. Yeah, I really love that. I remember when I was younger, I lived in Florida and a friend of mine worked at a company and they just brought in lunch every day. And but honestly, they were like, one of the reasons I stay at this company is because yeah, I don't have to point. deal with shopping or packing or buying a lunch every day. They're like, do you understand the mental stress, but also the financial stress that takes off? And That's I was actually like, a great point, Amy. Yeah, I think there's other ways. Like, I wouldn't worry about the 401k. I totally agree. Like, how can you day-to-day -day help your employees with their money? Like, can you give them gas cards? Um to, you know, help them offset gas prices. Can you, uh, like the, the food, food after where people live, the next highest expense on your mon monthly budget is food. Always. And, you know, when I look at my credit card bill, if, if I didn't eat, I would be a multimillionaire. Yeah, no. And, and we, we provide lunch at the gym, um, three days a week and it's fun. And we just had some new teammates start. And one of my new trainers is really into her own budget and budgeting herself. And she said at the end of the week of her first week with us, she was like, Oh my God, I did not realize even myself how much food was impacting until I realized how much extra I had in my bank account this week. And it was just, 
working here just because lunch. food yeah i mean especially if you're in like a city like new york or la or, or food's expensive i mean a salad can cost ten dollars i mean ten dollars a day that's fifty dollars a week that is two hundred dollars a month that is significant sure. and so if you can provide those things for your employees that's if you can get at you know their data the day-to-day expenses and stuff are what are really harming our employees and so I think ways of dealing with that um, and talking about that from a company standpoint are so much more helpful than we're matching your 401k. I mean, again, like we said, they've got student loan debt. They can't make ends meet. They're struggling with groceries. Like matching your 401k is not changing anything for them. No, not not today. I like that blend of like today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, the 401k for tomorrow, but the the looking at the things today as well. And the education and and taking away the the mystery and the sort of the taboo of talking about personal finances within the workplace because I really if and this is not at any level it's at all levels if you think about your life I I think a lot of us think about money as much as we think about a lot of other things and so opening up that dialogue creating a space and making your culture be one of openness and confidence yeah, and not being afraid to have the money talk. We are very open about money at the gym, obviously. And I tell I tell people, I tell other employers, I tell teammates, I want my employees to ask me about money. And like I want them to find out that their coworker makes ten thousand more than them because I want them to say why. Because I'm happy to have a conversation. It's because that person's not performing the way the other person is. And I want to give them the roadmap for how they can make $10,000 more. Because I want my team to make more. But I also expect more from them. And I want them to have that conversation with me. And I think we need to not be afraid of like, oh, they're going to ask for more money. Well, if they're, they're going to ask for more money and they deserve it, you should be paying them more money. I mean, we all know this. Like, But if they ask for more money and you don't want to have the conversation because they're not doing well, then that's an opportunity for you to help guide them and educate them and say, here's how, here's what I expect from you to get to that next level. And I've had that conversation with employees. I'm like, yeah, you want to make more? Well, here's what I need you to do. And here's what metrics I need you to get to. And if you can do it, great. If not, I'm still happy you're on the team. Like, I want you to do your thing, but like, I'm not going to pay you more. Right. Like, be honest about it. I like, I like the honesty factor. Um, so shifting gears just a little bit, but still on the topic of travel, mm-hmm. I know one of the things you and your team do is help people set up their savings buckets for different goals. Um, and I, the number one, one we hear about is people want to travel more. The number one goal of the gym. Number one goal for number everyone. So I, and a, I love that. Across I, the board. I, I, I love, makes me so happy that mm-hmm. the number one goal for people to do with, um, their extra money is to travel more. Give us, like, what are a couple of the top tips you give people for either, I don't want to say how to travel on a budget, but just... How to travel. How to, yeah. how to travel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we always say at the gym, it's like, we want our clients to live their best life. Like, I I, I don't... I want my client, if they want to... St- I mean, I like staying at high-end hotels. Like, I always say, I don't want to stay at an Airbnb because... I live in my house every day and I like my house. So if I'm going to travel, I want somebody to do the laundry for me. I'm sorry, hotel owners. I want my new towels every day. I just you want, do. You want your bed made. I want you want your turn down service. You want, want that chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I want it. Um, I, want <laughs> I love it because I don't do it every day. So I, I want all of that. Um, but like, so I get it and I want our, we want our clients to have it. So the, um, the first thing we tell clients is like to save, um, intentionally for travel. So, um, 
you know, what happens is like so many things get along the way, you get distracted and money just doesn't get put away. So we have clients automatically saving for their travel goals into account that's designated as travel. So we say, if you've got a thousand dollars in it, go wherever you can for a thousand. If you have 2000, great. If you have nothing, then you're not going anywhere and you need to like stop eating seamless and Uber isn't, um, and so you can have more money in that travel account. The other thing um, we really love at the gym is what we call crap, travel hacking and credit card using credit card rewards for travel because travel is expensive and um, and we want our clients to not spend as much money as they have to um, out of pocket. So we really and we'll and our train our clients who have really good credit and have spending under control, uh, the trainers are working with them on travel hacking. So opening up different credit cards. I had a couple. Um, Last year, they uh, they'd not, never done travel hacking before, but they wanted to go to Alaska. So we started putting the plan together. So they got the the Alaska Airlines card. They did that. They they spent the money on that. Got the points for that. Then they wanted to go on a cruise. They got the card for that. Um, they end up doing two weeks in Alaska, one week on a cruise, one week like driving around train thing travel like hiking stuff and it was the two of them and their their four-year-old son and they did that for two weeks and at their total out-of-pocket of costs including food was only five hundred dollars for two weeks that's crazy yeah that's um, so cool yeah we had a client just went to dubai for only 75 dollars out of pocket um so yeah there is a strategy for doing it we we encourage that um or you know just saving with straight up cash um and yeah, we want our clients, uh, we have a slogan at the gym, what are you working for? And I always say most of us aren't working to just pay bills. Um, we're not working to pay off student loan debt. Um, we're not doing it for that. We're doing it for the other things. And and something like travel and experiences is, is something that we want our clients indulging in. And we don't, you know, when we, we, we're looking at all of our clients' expenses and we're judging them, but... Um, because we want them to be spending their money on what they value and what they love and what's going to be meaningful. And travel is definitely one of those. I mean... I, we just talked about this, you and I. I uh, I just went to Orlando for um, for four days with my son, my 12-year-old son. I'm a divorced single mom. And for months leading up to that, he never wanted to talk to me because he's a 12-year-old boy. And, um, and we spent these four days together, and I said standing in line for rides and things like that. But neither of us had our phones out. We were talking. We were giggling. We were making fun of people. We were making fun of turkey legs and, you know, all the things that happened in Orlando. And... Um, and it was transformative and, you know, that was an expensive trip. Cause I say, whenever you go to Orlando, it's expensive. Um, but I feel like Orlando is like, it's like a $2,000 cover charge to get in and out of there. Um, but it was, but it was worth every single penny because the, and I don't even know, I, I hope it was meaningful for my son, but I honestly don't care cause it was so meaningful for me to have that experience with him. And, we want all our clients to have that. I want every and I want everybody to have that, and then not have credit card debt when they come home, because then you really enjoy that experience. If you can come home and the bill is paid, it's even better. Right. I, I remember my twenties specifically, and into my thirties, and this was like this hysterical roller coaster I was on because I was paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I would take a big trip every year. It would cost mm -hmm. five thousand, no matter what. It always netted out at five thousand. I would spend the next year paying off that credit card and then mm -hmm. I'd go on another trip for 5,000 and I'd spend a year paying off the credit card. Like it was mm -hmm. this hysterical, horrible, <laughs> horrible roller coaster that I voluntarily got on, but I couldn't afford it, but I wanted to do it. But mm -hmm. then I would pay all these interest fees to make up for it for a year. And it was, it was just crazy. I, you know, I, I did it and I had some great experiences, but yeah, if I, 
had had more of the structure to either save for it or know those hacks, of course. You know, that's amazing, like, especially that couple that went with their family to Alaska for two weeks. I mean, that's for 500 out of pocket. Like, you just, that's really amazing. And that's yeah, really cool. I mean, it takes work. Like, everything yeah. around financial health takes work. It's just like working out. I mean, you got to make some effort into it. Some some things are harder than others. But they were really committed to it. And, um, and yeah, and it's funny because a lot of our clients are the same way. They, like, because credit cards, they can book whatever they want. And, and they enjoy it at the time. And then they come home and it's this bad hangover. It's a spending hangover of the credit card bill that you're like, oh, I can't pay off in full. And right. it just feels uncomfortable, like extra weight after a vacation. Um, it doesn't feel good. And it's so transformative when we're telling our clients, let's save in advance. And they have this account. And, they, and it, initially the clients are like, oh, I don't like the idea of there's no money in the account. I can't travel. But it is this whole okay, but that makes sense because I shouldn't have been traveling before because I really didn't have the money. Now, it, like, it, yeah, it makes sense. And they are enjoying their travel so much more. Even, you know, we ha I had a couple that they only had $700 in their travel account. They told me they wanted to go to Tulum. And I was like, okay, great. Like, I want you to go. But, like, you know, you only have $700 in your account. And they're like, no, we're going to make it work. We're going to do – we can drive. We can do this, the Airbnb, like, all these things. And they made it work. Um you know, and they realize they only have $700 to it. So it actually, and then it keeps your spending under control too. I like that a lot. Well, Shannon, thank you as always for your, your time and your energy and honestly the insight that you brought. I, I know this is a travel podcast and I think this has so much to do with hotels and travel, but also just business and culture in general. And so I'm really excited for all of our listeners to have had a chance to hear you and I hope they understand why I'm such a fan of what you're doing and your mission. I think this is such a purpose-driven business that you've created. And um, so listeners, um, you know, please, if you are interested in learning more, visit financialgym.com. And um, Financial Gym also, if you're in the New York area, they host weekly events and happy hours and really cool times where you can just go by their very cool new gym. Mm -hmm. um, their office is called The Gym, but you go by The Gym for after work events and um, they're just really neat and it's just a, it's a cool thing to do. Also, if you know of anyone who you think this topic would be relevant for, you know, hit those three dots and share this podcast with them. I think there's a lot to be learned by everyone, leaders and organizations, um, but also just people who want to know more about financial wellness and health. Yes. Thank you so much for, for having me on. And if anybody wants to find us to follow us, financialgym.com. And we're on Instagram at the financial gym, Twitter at financial gym. Awesome. All right, everyone. Again, thanks for listening. We love having you as listeners and followers and fans and just keep the ideas coming. We love getting your um, emails about topics and ideas. The email is podcast at jpublicrelations.com. And until next time, travel elevated.